Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of yourself. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for my free seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week and I will teach you simple, easily implementable strategies on how you can be more productive in our increasingly distracted world. Get on the free seven-day productivity challenge just by hopping over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Today on the show is Tiffany Beverlin. She is the founder and CEO of Dreams Recycled. She has appeared on AOL News, Fox News, CBS News, and dozens of national publications. Today, we're going to be talking about multitasking. You know my thoughts on multitasking, so let's find out what Tiffany's are. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, before we get started, we have to address the elephant in the room. Could I ask you about this when we first connected before we started recording? You live in America. You live in one of my favorite places in the world because Mickey Mouse and his wife, Minnie, live there in Orlando, Florida. But you don't sound like you're from Orlando, Florida. No, I'm originally from London, England, but I've been in Florida a long time. I came here when I was very, well, not very young, but I came here after college to work and I have not left yet. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to ask this because I'm a Disney world nerd. Have you ever been to Epcot and the world showcase and gone to the English, uh, the England uh, country over there? Yes. Okay. I have, I have the fish and chips and the Earl of sandwich. I don't know if they're still there, but that was there the last time I went. Oh, that fish and chip sandwich. Oh my goodness. Now (laughs) I am vegetarian, but I'm going to take my wife to uh, Disney world after Thanksgiving, but before the Christmas rush this year in 2020. And I will not be vegetarian. You cannot be vegetarian and go to Disney World. There's too much good food there. So I will <laughs> take a... Uh, now, if you're vegan or vegetarian, don't send me hate mail, okay? It's a week, okay? I'm not going to give it up forever. Uh, but yeah, those fish and chips, oh my goodness, they are so good. <laughs> well, you have to go to the the big rage here amongst the locals is the Star Wars has opened Yes, Disney. Yes. And so if you're any kind of Star Wars Wars fan. It's supposed to be amazing. You know, what's so scary about that is I remember I'm 54 and I remember Mm -hmm. when Star Wars first came out and I remember when the Empire Strikes Back came out, which is second movie release, but it's the fifth in the series. My friend and I skipped school to go see that on the matinee. And this is back when they had two theaters in the, in the, uh-huh. in the there wasn't this 4,000 seat arenas with all these different screens. There was like two. And I remember the long line outside and we didn't get caught. We did not get caught. I did not get suspended, but we did get to see the empire strikes back. So that was interesting. I was telling my kids the other day in England, anyway, a movie used to be, you know, an hour and a half or two hours, but the movies used to stop in the middle and they had an intermission and they used to bring ice cream around. What? (laughs) Yeah. When I was a kid. And so it would stop and then they would give out ice cream and then you would go, you know, get your ice cream, sit back down and then they would start the movie again. Like nobody, they didn't think that anyone could sit still for two hours at a time. (laughs) Well, I know they did it for really long movies here, like Gone with the Wind and stuff like that, but I did not know they did it for an hour and a half, two hour movie. That's, that's awesome. And I also remember the, 
Now, over here, we had matinees, and, you know, back in the day, I'm walking way back in the 70s and 80s, you used to go to matinee and pay a buck, but they really mm-hmm. didn't keep an eye on who was coming and going, so you can go get a matinee at, like, 1 o'clock, and then go to see a 3 o'clock show, the 5 o'clock show, 7, 7 o'clock show, um, but now you can't do that anymore, but it's really interesting that we could see so many movies for just a buck. Um, yeah, no, now we have, well, in Orlando, all the movies here, you have assigned seating, so yes. it's like airplane, you can only sit where you're assigned. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say that the seating in the theaters are much better than they used to be. I mean, you can actually fall asleep. They're so comfortable. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And when the movie is bad, I often do. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, listener, we're not talking about Orlando and movies. We're just trying to get the show started here. I am fascinated to hear your take on multitasking as a productivity expert myself. I have done enough research and the neuroscientists have proven that the brain cannot do more than one thing at a time. What they suggest is you do task A. If you want to switch to task B, you stop task A and you switch to task B. So tell me why you are an expert in multitasking. Are you saying that we can multitask? I absolutely am. And I mean, your theory sounds lovely, but when you're a single working parent, (laughs) I mean, there just aren't enough hours in the day to get everything done. So you have no choice but to to multitask and then to find new and inventive ways to kind of add on even more things so you can do things um, simultaneously. Well, let me tell you, let me share with the audience, I should say, about what the neuroscientists say. Now, okay. what I think what you're talking about is you're taking care of the baby over here, you're stirring the pot, and now you're making sure the dishwasher is running. What they're talking about is the brain can only do one task at a time. So you may think it's multitasking, but they've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt the brain can only do one thing at a time. And I think we tend to throw out the word multitasking like it's like just a word, but there's different mm-hmm. shades of multitasking. So what you're saying is like, I'm not a, obviously a single busy mom. Uh, I am not single. I'm very married, but my kids are growing <laughs> out of the house. But yeah, we do do more than things, more than one thing at a time, but our brain is only processing one thing at a time. Well, maybe some people's brain is only processing one thing at a time. I really have to think about that now. But I think there are definitely things that you can kind of automate and do something else. I think that, for example, every morning when I get up, um, uh, my daughter goes to school at 6 a.m. And by 9 a.m., I have read the news, posted all my social media, etc. And it becomes so second nature that you are almost like a robot. So you're going through one task. And even though that's what you're doing manually, your brain is actually somewhere completely different doing something else. Okay. I can see that part because I think we all do that part. But what I'm saying is that they've actually hooked people up to MRIs and CAT scans and all these electrodes and all this weird scientific stuff. And they've actually proven the brain can only do one thing at a time. And I think what the neuroscientist is talking about is when you are sitting there working on the project at work and you're maybe creating a spreadsheet, maybe you're creating a PowerPoint presentation, whatever the case may be, and you're really focused you can't be doing other things at the same time because your brain needs to be focused on a certain task. Obviously, when you're a parent, 
I'll give this to you. You can't just do one thing at a time. You can't take care of kid number one. Okay, kid number one, I'm done with you. Now I'll do kid number two. A lot of us are an autopilot. You know, we mm-hmm. as parents, you know, I was a parent all my life until recently. You know, you do things on autopilot. You can get up in the middle of the night and take care of the baby, and you wake up in the morning like, did I wake up last night? Oh, the, well, their diapers changed. I guess I did. But you're on autopilot. You, you know, I think we're asleep and we go and change the baby. We've done it so many times. And so I think there's two different things we're talking about here. Mm. Okay. So if, if your uh, theory is true, which I don't doubt that for the average person. So how do you be more productive? You only have 24 hours in a day. You have three children, a 60 hour a week job and your house and your, you know, all the basic boring stuff that we as humans have to attend to. So how do you orchestrate that to make it easier? Well, I, my theory personally is, and thank you for interviewing me on my own show. Um, <laughs> I, I think people are doing too much. I mean, you did uh, already allude to automation. There's a lot of things that can be automated. I believe there are things that people are doing that don't need to be done anymore, but they've always done them. So they don't know any better. And then there's also in the corporate environment, there's things you can outsource or delegate. Well, not even the, for- the corporate environment. I mean, you can outsource your meals. You can now, there's a whole plethora of companies out there that can actually send you meals to your home and all you have to do is cook them. So there are ways to outsource, delegate, automate, eliminate, but you still have the reality. There's human beings you need to take care of. You got to take care of the dog. The pooch needs to be taken care of. You got to go to work. You got to take care of the laundry. But I think when we're talking about multitasking, I think that that's not the multitasking the neuroscientists are thinking about. Because let's face it. When you're making food for your kids, you're not really 100% tuned in because you may be making the meal, but then you have a half of eye on your kids and then you're thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. I don't think that's what they're talking about. I think when they're, they're talking about when you're really focused in on a singular topic or project. And that's where I think that the multitasking they're talking about is is coming from. And I believe that if you truly want to be your most productive, most efficient self, you can only do one task at a time. So if that is you're creating a spreadsheet, now you have to go in the email. Well, you have to disconnect from the spreadsheet and go in the email because if you're in email thinking about your spreadsheet, you're not going to be as efficient. Now, will you still be able to do it? Of course you can. But will you be able to do it as efficiently as if you disconnected from the spreadsheet? I would argue you can't. No, I agree with that. I mean, I write a lot. I write for multiple global publications. And my children know that the only time I'm not to be disturbed, obviously, except for interviews and podcasts and stuff, (laughs) is when I write. Because I definitely cannot write and multitask. Hmm. Now, when you write, one of the things I do, whether it's writing, you know, creating a web page for my website, creating an email, I like listening to very soft instrumental music. I can't listen to anything with words. Otherwise, I'm going to start singing and lose my uh, concentration. When you write, when you get in the zone to write, do you like it absolutely quiet or do you like a little maybe white noise or some instrumental music playing in the background? No, I'm one of those people that loves the sound of silence. And maybe it's because I have three children, but (laughs) (laughs) but I do. I love it to be silent. And and if I'm going to write, I mean, I don't even count emails as writing. But if it's a book or, you know, an article or something, I mean, I really need to focus for multiple reasons. (laughs) (laughs) One, I can't spell very well, but it, it just takes a lot of energy. So how do you multitask? I mean, let's say, uh, do you work from home? 
I do mostly work from home. Yes. Okay. So how do you multitask? So all your kids go to school and now mm-hmm. you've got, you're in work mode. Okay. You switch from mom mode probably to work mode once they go to school. First of all, how long does that typically last? And second of all, what does your day typically look like? Oh, my day isn't, my day makes other people's look very uh, sparse, I think you would say. (laughs) I get up uh, with my children at six in Florida. I don't know why. I've never understood it. School starts. The children have to be out of the house by 6.30, which is insane to me. (laughs) And I'm definitely not a morning person. But it does force you to be more productive, which is what we're talking about. So I get up at six, I help the children, they leave. And then I do all the boring things that I really, really hate to do. I get them out of the way first, because I do think that's one thing that definitely makes me more productive, not having that hanging over my head, knowing that I have to do it. Because that stuff to me is all mind numbing, like social media, posting, answering, you know, quick emails, scheduling appointments or whatever. I do all the busy, boring, boring, boring work by 9am every morning. Okay. And then, so the kids are out the door, you've done your boring work and now you settle down and you do your writing and podcast interviews at the time. Yeah. And then I do, um, I always have to check on my website, obviously in the software, make sure everything's working, check all my messaging in the 11 different platforms that we have. Mm. Um, And then I go into either coaching one-on-one divorcees and clients um, or podcasting or writing or email marketing or whatever it is. And then that lasts um, until, well, the first set of working lasts until two when the children come home. Okay. yeah. And then they come home and then generally I feed them, cook for them, do something with them, talk to them about their day, obviously, uh, get everyone settled. They all start to do their homework. And when they start to do their homework, then I actually go back to work. Okay. And so, and so we all work technically <laughs> the same, you know, again, probably between five and seven. Um, and that goes on obviously till seven and then, it, it, then you try and unwind for a little bit because having some downtime, same theory, it makes you more productive. I mean, if you never have any time off ever, I think you just start to do really bad work and like over a very long period of time. I, I agree a hundred percent, a hundred percent. We were never meant to work 24, seven, 365. We need our downtime. And it's interesting. You talk about the early school times. Uh, have you heard of the book, why we sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker? No. Well, I think I have heard it, but I haven't read it. Absolute fantastic book. I highly recommend everyone read it. He actually talks about early start times and they have actually found out that if you start school an hour and a half, two hours later, like talking like eight thirty, nine o'clock, the students' grades actually shoot up remarkably. Not like, like, not like 1%, like dramatically, because mm-hmm. kids are staying up too late and they can't get up in the morning and then they're not effective in school. And so mm-hmm. there are some school districts that are actually starting school at 8 9 o'clock and they found out that kids are doing much better. And I thought, I mean, it's backed by, backed by research. It's not some guy's opinion. They've done extensive research on it. And well, it makes sense though, doesn't it? I mean, it does. for one, when they go to school in the morning, it's pitch black. Yes. So, you know, they go into school and their first period at school, it's in the dark. In yes. fact, one of my um, one of my son's algebra teachers, 
they used to have a um, like a bowl of espresso beans and everyone when they came in in the morning to the you know at 6 30 took an espresso bean because they were like having such atrocious algebra scores because it was first period and you can't fo- I mean who wants to focus on algebra anyway <laughs> at 6 30 in the morning and uh and she said that that made her kids do better just having that kind of you know caffeine boost in the morning but i don't think anyone's supposed to start you know hardcore work that early well what's interesting you said that is on february 4th of this year 2020 I finished reading a book by Robin Sharma. It's called The 5 a.m. Club. And I have always been the person to fight getting up early. I'm like, no, I'm going to get up whenever I get up. I don't care. And I read the book that came highly recommended to me. It's not a very popular book. It's only sold 15 million copies worldwide. And I read the book and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this 5 a.m. thing a try. I'm going to start getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. But the key is you got to get up 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year, not like during the week and then sleeping on the weekends. It's every day. So I get up at 5 a.m. on Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, and I can tell you it's made a significant improvement in my productivity. I get so much stuff done by I have lunch at 11 o'clock. Okay. I've already been up six hours. I've already gotten more done than most people get done all day. I mean, I'm exactly. serious. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I honestly, it's definitely not for me. But as I said, I mean, having my children do that forces me to get up. And by, yeah, by nine o'clock, I've already been working for three hours. It's it's definitely more productive. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, well, not obviously, if you don't know me, my wife and I are empty nesters. So we wake up, we don't have any kids to take care of. We got a dog, let her outside, feed the cats. We're done. Uh, you have more, you got human beings you have to take care of. Obviously that that's a precedence if you're, if you're a mom, but let's get back to multitasking. Uh, what, when you're working with now, you don't coach people on multitasking, right? You, you coach uh, some other topic. Yes, I uh, coach divorcees and I'm a a certified life coach also, but primarily I'm known for coaching divorcees through their divorce and after their divorce to kind of recycle their life and move on to bigger, better things. And, you know, if you want to be really busy, throw a divorce in with all of that (laughs) other stuff too. Yeah, I've been there and bought the t-shirt, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So let's talk about what you do, Tiffany, when you are struggling with overwhelm, let's say you didn't sleep well last night and the kids were, for whatever reason, all of them were not on their best behavior this morning. And so you're not in a good frame of mind. They go off to school. How do you get ready? How do you transition from that chaotic night sleep, chaotic morning with your children? And now you have to focus on your clients. What do you do in order, because I'm sure you just don't dive into work. I'm sure you do something that transitions you into that work time. Yeah. I mean, it depends what I'm doing, but I tend to find like if I'm in a really bad funk and I really actually just want to crawl back in bed, (laughs) I actually will remove myself from my house and I will go to different locations in Orlando. Obviously, we have nice weather here, so I'm an advantage probably to most people. But there are certain locations I go to, and they just make you feel, you know, more energized, more rejuvenated. And, you know, I have a laptop. You can work practically anywhere. So I will go 
sit. There's a big fountain here in Orlando that's really nice, and you can sit by and watch it in the background. There's a lot of nice parks here. And so I will take myself somewhere where I feel more energized and get some fresh air and feel, you know, feel better about everything. And then I usually that will make me want to be more productive. And then when I come back, you know, the saying a change is good as a rest seems to ring true. Modern technology is awesome. I mean, it's when I first bought my first iMac, this this enormous thing sitting in my office here. But my wife, we got her a MacBook Air, and I actually use the MacBook Air like 99% of the time now because I can actually take it anywhere. I can be out in the kitchen. I can go outside when it's really nice out. I can take it to a library. It's So modern technology is awesome. Of course, it can also be very addicting if you're on social media too much or you're watching videos or whatnot. But I I love technology because you said 100%. It's 100%. If you need to think. You need mm-hmm. to get up from where you're working. Now, obviously, if you work for a corporation, don't walk, get, walk out, get in your car and drive away. You might not, you might not have a job when you come back, but if you can go to a different location because it's going to change your state and you don't always have to be working. I mean, some, I, I tell people on the lunch break, I said, get in your car, drive to a park and just don't be on your phone. Just. Just be quiet and you'll be amazed at how much better you feel. Maybe you go to a park and there's kids playing in the playground or whatever the case may be, but you're hundred percent right. Changing your location can do wonders for your state, which turns makes you more productive. Absolutely. And then, and so that's what I'll do if I'm in a funk, but if I'm like very annoyed, <laughs> I will go, I will actually take my work and I will go to the gym. And at the, uh, you know, and obviously there's, you can't do proper, proper work at the gym, but (laughs) if I have things to read or things I need to research or whatever, I can sit on a bike at the gym and take out some of my frustrations and (laughs) scroll through the thing and do that at the same time. And that always helps too. I mean, exercise is a really big stress relief. So how old are your kids? If you don't mind me asking, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going someplace with this. Oh, they're big now. They're. Uh, when I talk about school, it's only the little one. She's 16. She's okay. at high school. And the other two are, uh, are at college. They're 18 and 20. Oh, okay. So you don't have like a bunch of little ones hanging around. So your your 16-year-old no. is pretty much self-sufficient then. Yeah, except for the homework. Have you done <laughs> psychology? <laughs> oh, yes. I remember biology. I remember uh, one time in my previous marriage – you know, they give these kids assignments and they're due in eight weeks. And then the night before they go, I got this major assignment. It's due tomorrow. I'm like, well, sucks to be you. I'm going to bed. I mean, you knew about it for two months. I'm not going to stay up all night. I'm sorry. Um, oh, I'm, I'm the other kind of parent. I will get in my car and drive around and try and find a 24 hour target or Walmart. To oh buy my goodness. <laughs> well, we will agree to disagree on that. I'm like, Hey, you know, you're a senior. You should have known this. So, but we won't, we won't talk about parenting because we're not, this isn't a parenting podcast, but it's interesting how, uh, you're a mom and you have a different take on it than me, a father. I'm kind of like the, uh, the general in the army, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm both. I'm a single mom, so I have to be both, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, total enabler. I will help them at the last minute, do whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you, you admitted it on, on the air. So I really appreciate that. So is there anything that we didn't talk about on the show today? Do you want to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, I just think that 
where there's a will, there's a way. And even though, you know, we look ahead at our schedules or on the day and we go, we're never going to get through this or how are we going to do this? Or you, you know, a lot of people now write books or start podcasts or take on all these extra side hustles or whatever. And it always amazes me that no matter how much time we think we don't have, if we really set our minds to it, we can really add more things than we thought we could, especially if we're passionate about them. Yeah, I always like when people tell me, oh, Mark, I don't have enough time. You, you asked me to do all this stuff. I don't have enough time. And I, and I asked them, I said, okay, how much TV do you watch every night? And they're like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, um, hello, you just told me you have n- not enough room, not enough room in your time, your schedule, but how much? Because I know where, I know what they're going to answer. They're going to say, oh, three, four hours times five. Wow. That's 20. I mean, the average American watches 35 hours of TV a week. Wow, is that's, that true? Yes, the latest. Uh, I think the latest study from Nielsen. That's that's five hours a night. That's well, five that's hours. No, no. But now that you mention that, I don't watch TV. I actually didn't watch any TV at all for seven years. Wow. Uh, and recently, I've started watching maybe an hour or two a week. So that definitely adds to your productivity. You're absolutely correct. And, and I always tell people, I don't have a problem with you watching television as long as you get all your work done. Now, if you had a lazy day and got nothing done, then don't sit down there and watch five hours of TV. But if you can look back at your day and go, wow, I crushed it today. I got so much stuff done today. I feel really good about myself. Then sit there and watch TV. It's okay. But I think it's all a matter of you looking at and seeing if you are happy with what you did today. A lot of people make watching TV non-negotiable, but they don't make the productivity during the day non-negotiable. That's flipped on its head. You need to get that right side up. Be productive, then watch TV. When I sit down there like I watch a basketball game tonight, I watch it guilt-free. I crushed it today. And it's only... We're recording this now. It's three o'clock in the afternoon here in Houston. I've already crushed it today. So when I sit down to watch basketball tonight, I won't be guilty. I won't feel guilty because I got my work done. Now, if I didn't do anything but this podcast, then I can say, well, Mark, you didn't really earn it. So that's my feelings on watching TV. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's true. I think if you feel if you feel like you're doing a good job at what you're doing, you're more prone to enjoy your downtime because you do feel like you've earned it. Absolutely. Well, Tiffany, last question I ask every guest, where can we find out more about you? Well, you can find me just about everywhere. Um, (laughs) On LinkedIn, I'm at Tiffany Ann Bevelin, but you can find my company, which is a divorce group and support group for uh, divorcees at dreamsrecycled.com and Dreams Recycled on every other social media platform. Excellent. By the way, are you on TikTok yet? I am, but I really just only set it up. My daughter loves it, but I just set it up. It's, it's, yeah. (laughs) It it is insane. It is insane. I, my number one platform is LinkedIn and I was trying to get Instagram going, but Instagram and Facebook are so saturated. And, mm-hmm. and I kept hearing Gary Vaynerchuk, the, the very successful yeah, entrepreneur, talk about TikTok. He says, you got to be on LinkedIn and TikTok. And I started putting content on, on TikTok and I get more engagement, more views on TikTok than anywhere else except for LinkedIn. And so my wow. top three platforms, they're going to surprise you. Number one's LinkedIn. Number two is TikTok. Number three, Pinterest. I mean, oh, Pinterest. Yeah, we've, we have actually switched a lot of our social media drive to Pinterest over the last few months also. It's interesting. It's like the revolution of social media. Everyone's doing different things. It's interesting. And you know what all three of those uh, platforms have in common? 
They're not owned by Facebook. And I think that's what dri- what really is driving LinkedIn, TikTok, and um, Pinterest. They're not owned by Facebook. Pe- people are so untrusting now of Facebook. And of course, Facebook owns uh, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. And I think people are like, okay, we're going to try something else. And I think mm-hmm. the beauty of TikTok is there's nothing. I'm sure Facebook's trying to, way to find a way to copy, but there's nothing they can copy. TikTok mm-hmm. is just not owned by Facebook. And it's very interesting when it first came out, it was 13 to 17 year olds. Now there's mm-hmm. people 35, 40, 50 years old on TikTok, thought leaders are on TikTok. And I just like the platform because there's not a lot of people on it. And I'm getting a lot of engagement on it. So I love TikTok. How long would it last? I don't know. But I heard a statistic a week ago that says the last decade, 2000 to 2010, TikTok mm-hmm. was the seventh most downloaded app out of those decade. Now, what makes it more impressive, TikTok didn't come out until September 2016. And yet, it was the seventh most downloaded app for the entire decade. To me, that's pretty impressive. So if you're not following me on TikTok, follow me on TikTok. I'm having a ball with it. I will do. I will hunt you down. And I'm also on <laughs> TikTok on uh, Dreams Recycled also. Excellent. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute delight having you on the show and sharing your wisdom for us uh, with us. And uh, I think you're a rock star. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And have a lovely time at Disney. I hope you enjoy it. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. It's my gift to you. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you how to be more productive. While you're there, you can also click on the contact tab and send me a message. What did you think of the episode? What what ideas do you have for other guests or other topics? You drive the show. So please let me know what you think of the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show and then tell two or three of your friends that what you liked about the show and for them to download it and subscribe as well. I want to help as many people as I can. Until we meet again, my friend, you know what to do. Go be productive.